Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Before I begin my interview today, I wanted to share with you that I interviewed um, Nick Whittem the day after Christmas. And at the end of the interview, you'll, you'll hear him talking about, about the magical seance they have on Christmas, where they have a seance and they invite in spirit children who have not been loved on earth while they were here for their short lives. And what happens at that seance and just how magical it, it really is. And when I was at um, Banyan Retreat, I experienced a seance very similar. So I ask you to keep an open mind, and maybe one day you'll be able to experience something and, and come to your, your own conclusions, because it's so important for all of us to just stay curious always, which I am. So here we go. Today, I am thrilled to have on the show Nick Widom, director of Banyan Retreat, a beautiful sanctuary nestled in the heart of Kent in the UK, where healing and other spiritual modalities take place. I had the amazing opportunity to visit Banyan to witness and participate in the amazing offerings it has. Nick grew up in a spiritual family. However, before he began his spiritual healer work. He was executive director and VP at Goldman Sachs. Nick now works full-time as a healer with his partner, Stephen Sue, directing and offering transformative programs at Banyan. Welcome to the program, Nick. Thank you, Marla. Thank you for inviting me. You it's are very, with- great to be here. I'm so pleased uh, that, you, that you invited me. It's nice. Thank you. Absolutely. How's the weather in the UK right now? Oh, actually, today's quite pleasant. It's bright and sunny. Uh, nice. it's, it's been a miserable week so far. It's been raining and thunder <laughs> and goodness knows what else. Uh, but the sun's been shining today. It's been beautiful. Nice, nice. That's good to hear. It's, it's pretty nice here, too. Um, so why don't you tell us how you began down this spiritual path? Okay. I was born into a family of, of healers. My mother was a Reiki healer and my father was a, a trance healer. They, neither of them practiced that full time. Uh, my mother was a, a, a teacher and uh, my, my father retired from the, from the Merchant Navy uh, a number of years ago and uh, worked locally. So healing was kind of part time but a, an important part uh, of life, and my mother would uh, would meet with friends and family and, and offer healing wherever it was needed. And my father also sat in development circle to develop his trance and to develop his healing. 
he was sitting in a circle with one of the one of the good family friends uh, who was uh, also a trans medium who would who would lead that circle um, she would lead on this side of life and there was a, a Native American um, gentleman who led from the spiritual uh, side of life uh, I have many many opportunities over the years to witness many different people from the circle giving healing in addition to to my parents wow. um, it was it was it was quite a it was, it was quite a, a, an interesting thing and I it wasn't until I was probably about seven um, probably around about seven years old that I actually began to pay much attention to it or actually question what they were doing and one day my, my father suffered with bad back issues and one day the, the, the circle leader came over to give, give my father some healing and she, she was in trance and she had a Zulu gentleman who, who worked through her and he was cupping his hands and blowing through his hands into my father's back. And I, and I remember you know, as a seven-year-old child thinking, wow, this is strange. Um, <laughs> not, not, really, not really understanding what it was, but it kind of piqued my interest in, in, in what was taking place. Um, and from that, I guess from that point forward, that's when I, when I, be, when I became much more interested. Yeah. Um, I, I came from a quite a quite a religious family. The, the the rest of the family were very much involved in a different church, a different um, type of religion that was based on the teachings of Emmanuel Swedenborg and also um, the Bible. So I was with grandparents and, and with aunts and uncles who were who had quite senior positions within that church and my parents didn't push me in any particular direction obviously they had a keen interest in in, in spiritualism and in mediumship and i was kind of left to my own devices and i, I got very much involved in both um I, I i managed to find stuff of great interest in both and there were there were many many similarities of course Swedenborg um, was a was one of the finest mediums he saw and wrote wrote about his um, his experiences so there was lots there was lots of overlap and it was it was hugely interesting right. um, but I wasn't heavily involved in, in in either side really until I was about 15 years old and I, and I would speak regularly through trance to the the, 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 the leader of the, of the circle in the spirit world. And he asked me one day, he said, so what would you like, what would you like to do with your life? What do you want to experience? What do you want to, what would you like to be? And I said, you know, I, I, I very much want to serve the spirit world. Um, I kind of decided at that point in time that there was far more of interest for me in that direction um, than, than most others. And he said to me, that's nice. He said, but you need to go out, you need to live your life, you need to experience different things and there will come a time when it's right for you to become involved in this work. Interesting. It was fascinating. Um, and I, I, had, I, I, shortly after that, I moved to London and I started working 
and eventually worked in the city and found my way over, well, to most parts of the world, actually. I worked in most parts of the world. Uh, but at that particular time, um, I was in Hong Kong. My period in Hong Kong was coming to an end and I had the choice of going to Australia, to, uh, to the States or back to the UK. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, so next time I came home, I sat down and I had a, a chat uh, in trance with the, with the circle leader again. And he said to me, it's time to come home and it's time to start doing your real work now. Wow. How old were you then? Oh, um, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, <laughs> like was more like 30 or more like? No, just over 40, I would imagine. Interesting. So how did that as a child and, and I would like for you to explain when you say talking to someone in a trance in a circle, um, what that, you know, what that means for the listeners, because some of them aren't familiar with that. But how did that change kind of your life as a child or did it like interacting with other kids? It, it didn't really. It wasn't something that I spoke about very much. I had lots of, I had lots of interests when I, when I was a child and I didn't have that many friends. I had a handful of very close friends um, who were very much aware of what my parents did about the healing side of things, but there wasn't wasn't really much need to 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 discuss it. It was that I was completely open about it, and it was just part, it was just a, a part of life, really. Did you see before we get to the trans part? Did um, do you remember as a young child seeing anything that just kind of in in terms of the healing part of it that really was sort of mind blowing for you? I saw the results. I saw the change in my father after he'd received the healing sessions yeah. and the, the remarkable change. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, what an amazing gift to be able yeah. to do that for people. Interesting. Um, I, I worked uh, as a volunteer at the local hospital and it was, that was mainly caring for the elderly people. And I just remember thinking how wonderful it will be to help those people in that way. And that was really my driver for wanting to work for the spirit world. Right, right. That's beautiful. So can you explain a little bit what a trans medium is? Yep, trans mediums. Um, everybody will be uh, aware of, of, of platform mediums who work with clairvoyants, clairaudience. And that's where they raise their vibration to blend with the spirit world and be able to communicate because the, the, the vibration is closer to the, to the spirit world. With trans mediumship, it's way, way, way down the other end of the spectrum, a very passive, a very calm state of mind where you clear your mind, you clear your head, and you allow the spirit world to stand next to you, allow their energies to blend with yours to the point where they can actually take control. Um, they can blend so much that they can suppress your thoughts, they can suppress your control of your, of your body, and they can influence in such a way that they can speak through you, they can, they can move 
your limbs, they can walk, they can, they can take complete control. Uh, but of course, you have to be um, of a certain frame of mind to allow that to happen. Yeah. yeah. And it takes, it takes many years of practice to be able to invite the spirit world to be so close with you uh, that, they, that they can actually achieve that. Wow. There are lots of misconceptions about trans people. Some people believe that the spirit entities actually enter your body and they have complete control. And that is totally untrue. They stand by your side, their energies blend with yours until you reach a point where they can take control. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to be 100% uh, submissive and, pre and prepared for that to happen. Um, right. any, any interruption will break that concentration and you will come back almost, almost immediately. Right. And that's when the healing will take place many times is through, through the transmediumship. That was, that was very much the case with my father. My father would go into France and they would be able to channel the healing. Because he was in that frame of mind, the healing energy was, could be channeled much stronger than ordinarily. Uh, but the majority of healers don't need to go into that state. They can clear their mind, they can connect with the universal healing energy, and they can ask for it to be delivered to whoever they're working with. Yeah. And they can also ask for it to be sent remotely to, to, to somebody as well. Right. And so I know your work, your energy healing work, because I'm actually taking a class from you. And can you talk a little bit about that sort of healing, the energy, the chakra, the chakra work? The hands on the healing. Yeah. Yes. M most, most illnesses uh, or most conditions that, that we develop in the body um, start within the, the energy field, within the auric field. And people fortunate enough to have clair clairvoyant vision um, can, can sometimes see that. Um, a very good friend of mine can see the, the auric field very clearly. And she'll, she, she, quite, if I haven't seen her for a little while, she'll say, mm, your colors are a little different today. There's something going on here or there's something going wow. on here. And she, she'll be able to should be able to see exactly what's happening. And that's because whatever happens within the physical body is reflected in the, in the auric uh, emanation as well. And when we give healing, uh, when we channel healing to, to, to the individual, we're actually working on that auric emanation. We're reminding it of the vibration where it should be. And if we have a condition present, then that usually means that there's an interruption to the auric emanation in that particular area of the body. There may be a blockage, there may be a leakage, there may be something else going on, but we actually channel healing to that um, area that's in need of repair and remind it where it should be resonating. And over a period of time, the, the, the body or the auric field will remember that and it will come back to normal um, wow. if it doesn't then things things can progress and conditions will actually manifest uh, as a result of the, the damaged energy field over a prolonged period of time right can you give us an example i know when i was there taking the class you had some great slides of 
the man that had some heart heart disease and congestion. But so could you give us an, an example of that? And maybe an example when you've had a session, even if it was remotely with a child that you helped. Yep. Um, a few years ago, I had a, a young uh, a young girl of six years. Uh, she was six years old. She came. She was brought uh, brought to see me by uh, her parents. Her her father had recently taken her to one of the children's hospitals in 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 central London, um, where she'd been diagnosed with a gentle tumor. And if you were to look at this young girl, she looked as though she was heavily pregnant with this with this. Oh my gosh. Tumor. Um, she wasn't she wasn't in a very good state of mind at all. Um, and the, the, the doctors had suggested that they give her some form of chemotherapy, radiotherapy um, to reduce the tumor to, uh, and then they would then they would want to operate and remove it. Um, but her parents weren't keen on going down the, the radiotherapy chemotherapy route. Um, that for a six-year-old, child could have um, huge impact on, on, on the rest of her life. Being exposed to such dangerous vibrations at such a young age, um, who knows what would, what would have happened um, to her. So her parents were very keen to avoid that. And they brought her for a good few months, um, probably about three, possibly four months, um, for regular healing sessions. And Towards the end, in conjunction with a change to her diet, I advised her parents to, to do as much as possible to, to push the diet to an alkaline diet. And after about three or four months, they, they went back to the, to the hospital in central London and the, the doctors were there were, were quite impressed with the, the progress and the results and they suggested that they brought her back the following week and they would operate to remove what was left of the tumor and then suggested a, a further course of chemotherapy or radiotherapy as a precautionary measure so her parents decided that they, they would go ahead with the surgery they took her back um, but they refused any chemotherapy radiotherapy and within, I think within two months of that, she was back at school, bright as a button, uh, and enjoying life. Wow. So that's probably one of the greatest stories that I have that involves, that involves children. Yeah. And there was, a, there was another young man uh, who was about nine years old who lived fairly locally to us here. And he started to have lots of symptoms relating to a very um, debilitating disease uh, or condition that he had. And it reached a point where he couldn't play football, couldn't, um, couldn't even go to school. He was going to school maybe one day a week um, because he just now didn't have the strength or the energy to, to continue. And again, his mother brought him regularly for, for healing treatments here. And within two, within two or three months, he was able to go back to school full time 
And a couple of months after that, he was back playing football, running around. Wow. Everything was, everything was, was, was back to normal for him. So, yeah, that was, that, was, that was a reasonably short period of time. Yeah. And when, you, and when you explain, could you explain a little bit about the actual healing? Because I want to say it's simple if you would sit and watch, but there's so much, so much going on. And also, what if a person knows a child that, you know, like an example of one that you just, you just gave, and they want to find a healer, a reputable, like someone like you, where do you suggest they go if they can't come to, to Banyan Retreat, especially, you know, in, in the United States? That's a, that's a bit of a challenge for me um, because I'm not too familiar with the healing organizations in the United States. Right. But in, in the UK, that, that's, that's very easy. That most organizations here in the UK come under uh, the umbrella of the British Alliance of Healing Associations, and you can go to their website and you can find, you can find a healer. Right. Most, most spiritualist churches offer, uh, offer healing in some capacity, and most reputable mediums will do that also. But I'm also very much aware that there are, there are some mediums out there that charge huge sums of money for mm-hmm. healing. And it's very much my view that if you offer healing, no money should be exchanged in, in, for healing. Right. But the actual, the actual process of healing is very, very simple. You have to clear your mind, get your mind as empty as you possibly can, and in a very relaxed frame of mind. And then you ask for the healing energy to be channeled through you. That healing energy, that universal energy is all around us. And you can you you become a channel for that healing energy, so the energy flows through you. And as it goes to the person that you're working with, it will go to the place where it's needed the most. You don't necessarily need to ask for healing for a specific condition. It will always go to where it's needed the most. Mm-hmm. And you can also do that remotely. You can you can ask that healing to be sent to somebody who's actually not in front of you. I have a little way of, of, of doing that where I picture that person in a pyramid and I picture the healing energy flowing to them. And in my mind, that healing energy is the many, many different colors of the spectrum. And those colors are just swirling around that person and, and they will take the vibration or the color uh, that they need at that time. Now that's just my way of doing it. There are many, many different ways of doing it. But always when you picture that person, I always say you should picture them in full health. Right. Regardless of what condition they're in at the moment, always picture them in good health because that's what you're sending to them. You're sending them good health. Yeah. If you picture them... Um, lying in a bed, very sick, then you can actually be projecting, be projecting more of that towards them. But I don't want to focus on that too much because healing is very much about intent. It's the intent of the individual. And the stronger the, or greater the intent, 
the greater the healing will be will be right when when i hear you talk i think of uh, physicality physical healing so let's talk a little bit about number one healing the heart and also a little bit about just energetically sending love to to another or to a very young since this is about children to you know a very young child even when they're they're a toddler can you can you talk about that a little bit absolutely absolutely well for the intention to work with regard to healing it has to stem from love um so by default love is automatically embedded in all that you do in a healing capacity yes you radiate that love children are very very receptive to healing um, and to all types of, of emotion that they're, they're very sensitive far far more sensitive than and um, than we are as adults because we learn to to shield ourselves and protect ourselves from that right. but children are not um, the children uh, they 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 see the spirit world they're very much in tune with with their own feelings and when you send when you send a child healing it's it's really it's really no different from an adult but they they will probably have a greater feeling or greater awareness of that love as they as they receive it right and again it doesn't have to be local you can do that remotely as well yeah yeah that's beautiful yes i think because their vibrations are so high because they're still so close to the still so close to the source as wayne dyer says still have having droplets of heaven clinging to them absolutely absolutely and they're still very much connected through the auric field to to, to their yes. mother yes and they they won't break away from that until they're uh, until they go through puberty and 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 beyond but but up until that point they're they're very much connected to to to, to their mother interesting can you expand on that a little bit and, and what if what if they're being raised by a caretaker or someone other than the, there's an there, there was an interesting study done a good number of years ago uh, and they were looking at genetic conditions that come down through the through, through the generations and they found something that's very very strange with children that were adopted because over the over the years those children actually became susceptible to conditions that were quite prevalent in in their adoptive families um genes now whether that's because there, there's a bonding uh, uh, or a realignment to the new motherly figure right. at a younger age or not i don't know i, I can't answer that uh, and i can only tell you from what i've been told by the spirit world that children have that that connection with the auric through the auric field that that energetic bond with the mother up until the age of puberty once they go beyond that they break away and form their own right. um, it, i think it's happening it's happening at a younger age too 
but that's the point where they actually break away wow. and, and no longer and that's why they can rebel and um be troublesome teenagers for the <laughs> right so what you're saying they um with the study they were could develop some of the the genetic uh, genetics of the adoptive parents therefore what i hear you saying is that really the energy or the auric field surrounds and is connected to those per people who really love them most or who yes. are really taking care of them yes i i i, I think that's i think that's pretty much what it is yeah, uh, it does make sense yeah absolutely it does absolutely so um how do you think that you know as a healer how do you think we can help the very young trust their 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 intuition and their inner strength so that they may they'll be able to carry that on throughout life to navigate life a little bit a little bit better i i think that's that's a that's a difficult one because it really very much depends on the understanding of the family members around each child for lots of people those those feelings those uh, the ability to 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 see the ability to remain sensitive is suppressed by uh, mainly by the parents so the, the children are told not um, to to disregard this or they're imagining it so that the child begins to think well, I must be imagining it because I'm being, that's what I'm being told. And therefore, those experiences diminish. It's no, it's no longer, uh, they're no longer able to see and to feel and to sense in quite a strong way. So I think if the parents are open to that and they encourage that to, to, to take place, if a child's playing and they're playing with their, with their spirit friends, encourage them to talk about it, encourage them to share their experiences right. um, for that particular time that they've that they've been in the presence of, of their of their spirit friends. Yeah, that's what we've talked a lot with a a lot of people I've interviewed, just opening up the conversation and validating and loving and and really being curious. And many times I think it brings about memories it helps us remember when we were a child and maybe had some of the same experiences. Absolutely. And, and most of all, to, to, to be supportive and to encourage that yeah. uh, in, in whatever way we can. Right. Um, so let's segue for a second. We have to wrap it up here soon, but I know, you know, we're getting close to Christmas and I know you just had a seance um, for that for Christmas. So can you tell our listeners, who some have never, the word seance is a probably a bit, you know, scary for them. But I know I've been there. It's absolutely beautiful and amazing and real. And um, tell us a little bit about what what happened last night and in the past with the Christmas seance and the children's the spirit and children in spirit. You're absolutely right. It strikes fear into the hearts of many, and it should. <laughs> Um, it's the most beautiful, most wonderful experience if you're if you're with the right uh, if you're with the right medium, and the Christmas seances are very very special um, <clears throat> because uh, it's a time when the spirit world invites the children 
uh, and they're always children that did not experience uh, happy times at Christmas. Now, each of the sitters that, that, that comes to the Christmas tree senses, we ask to bring a, a, a child's toy with them. We wrap those toys and we put them under the Christmas tree. Last night, we had this enormous um, white cardboard um, house that came with some pens and you can you could color the house with uh -huh. the pen. Um, I don't think they had quite enough time to, 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 to do that last night, but they certainly played with it and moved it around. And, and typically what happens is, in seance, you have, the medium has to be a physical medium. And that's very different from a, a, a healer and a, a clairvoyant or clairaudient medium. They have the ability to produce ectoplasm. And the spirit world are able to step into that ectoplasm and cloak their bodies uh, with ectoplasm and be as real as they were when they, when they lived in the, in the physical world. Uh, the only thing is they have to remember how they were. So they have to remember that they had legs, they have to remember they had arms. And uh, I, I once remember um, experiencing in a, in a seance uh, what the materialized form of the, the, the control came around, put his hand in front of me and said, now watch my hand carefully. He said, because I'm now going to remember the hairs on my hand. And as I watched, the hairs appeared on this hand that was in front of me. Um, so they have to, it's, it's a challenge one, they have to remember. But children don't have fears, so it's much easier for them. Uh, there can be seven or eight at each time um, coming through, and they rip the paper off the presents, they unwrap them, you hear them going around the room. We have a young lad who comes regularly uh, who asks us to bring a pair of roller boots. And whenever he comes, you hear him in the roller boots going around the room. This year he asked for skipping ropes, and last night he had his skipping ropes. He, he didn't quite manage the skipping ropes, <laughs> um, but they were there, and I'm sure over time he'll persevere. Wow. So they, they tend to bring them through in, in different age groups. So they'll be sort of the, 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 the younger ones, the, the, the one to five years old, and then the five to ten years old, and then those are the slightly older and they tend to come in groups. It's wonderful to be able to, to experience that. Mm -hmm. And the scientists in the spirit world, they take etheric copies of the, 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 the gifts that have been given so that they can take them back to the spirit world and play with them. Uh. Now, because those gifts have been touched by the spirit, they have a wonderful healing energy um, around them. And we like to make use of that. So we take them to the local children's hospice called Demelza House, and it's for terminally ill children. And we hope that the healing associated with each of those gifts helps them in some way on their, on, you know, throughout their, their challenges and their difficulties. Wow, that, that just must be magical. It's very special. I, uh. Christmas is the, the Christmas seance is the best ones of the year. Yeah, um, I definitely want to try to come. Definitely want to try to come next next year. Well, Nick, thank you so much for for being on the show today. Is there anything that you would like to 
like to say that I didn't that I didn't ask? I don't think so. I think we covered a fair bit there. Great. Well, I'd love for you to come back and talk a little bit more about about Banyan, about physical mediumship. Um, Scott Milligan is the physical medium you work with, and um, you're a team, and he's amazing. And um, well, how, if people want to find you, how will, how could they find you? The best way is via the website, um, banyanretreat.com. Or alternatively, we are on Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Banyan Retreat, and we also have an events group, uh, Banyan Retreat Events. Right, wonderful. Either of those ways is a great, great way to contact us. Okay, and that will also be in the show notes for, for the listeners. And Banyan Retreat does... Um, you you can go there. I mean, this is not just for for the. You can go and sit in circle and the seances and and I can't wait to come out and visit visit you again. I'm I'm looking forward to that. So thank you so much for coming today, and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Excellent. Thank you for inviting okay. me. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.